Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Women's Football Success. This is episode 1910. I'm your host, Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington, and I'm so glad to have you guys here today. Got a few things to cover um, since we're going into the second or third week of March. I want to shout out really quick because, again, my computer is giving me technical difficulties and it is a pain in the ass. Um, anyway, we are going to get started today. I'm going to talk about what you guys should be doing here as we um, this episode will air on the 13th of March. So we're going into St. Patrick's Day. So I want to share with you, um, we're getting down to the wire. So let's get started. Again, today is episode 1910. My name is Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. I'm your host. Disclaimer, I am also an attorney licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. Any of the information that I provide to you or my staff provides to you, whether it be print or digital with regards to women's football is all business information. None of it is legal information. None of it is a, none of it creates a legal relationship between us. So if you have an issue with um, your business, seek out an attorney in your jurisdiction with experience in the type of law that you need help in. All the information I provide here is for informational purposes and in hopes of growing your business and making your women's football team successful. After all, if we only have four or five teams that are making a profit every year, um, it doesn't sell a good product in women's football. If we're able to get all of the teams making a profit, then um, we can present a bigger, better product to the outside world. So again, like I said, this week, this posts on March 13th. So we're getting ready to go into St. Patrick's Day. A lot of the teams are getting ready to participate in some St. Patrick's Day parades. We did one last year. Um, there's some pictures out on our Facebook that you can see where we went and did some community work for the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And that it was really fun. It, it was great success. A lot of times um, you may or may not have a lot of uh, players come out to a parade. Sometimes they have to walk four or five miles to, to get to it. So um, you guys need to put parades on your plan. If you haven't listened to some of the things that we've talked about before, um, they are a great way to get a lot of people knowing about your business in a quick amount of time. With that being said, I just want to do a shout out to Blog Talk Radio. Real quick, I'm going to try and get over to the spot I need to be in. It's crazy with this computer. It just kills me. So real quick, I'm going to go online to Blog Talk. I just wanted to share with you because somebody um, shared this with me and I was surprised because... Um, the Women's Football Success radio show, um, I provide content for Women's Football Success for the Women's Football Alliance and the teams associated with it, all 70 teams. And the radio show is more like a, not an extra, but it's a way for people to get the content on audio so that they can listen to it via radio or, you know, on the way to work, on the during a lunch break or whatever. So it's not additional content to what I provide to what I produce in the paper and digital area, but it is just those materials in a different format. 
But I wanted to share with you because somebody checked, somebody um, messaged me and said, did you know this? So if you go to blog, if you just go into Google and you type in blog talk, women's football, I want to thank everybody for making this happen. Come on. Of course, my internet connection is slow today. Okay, so if you type in blog talk, women's football, first I want to do a shout out to BJ Coletta that allows us to be on her station. Uh, we just have a, a, a radio show on her station that airs on Wednesday nights. But if you type in blog talk women's football, there's probably a, a handful of radio shows that have been on for a while. Women's football success, the episodes come in first, second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. If you flip over to page two, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th. And then there's my old LinkedIn page. And then there's an old about uh, women's football talk. So we hold, or this radio show holds, pretty much all of the slots when it comes to internet recognition or, or the search for women's football on blog talk. So I was pretty excited about that. And a shout out to um, the person that let me know about that because a lot of the effort, um, I do this for fun. This is, this is my fun show. And so um, I'm not looking for any recognition or anything, but it is cool to see that the information that we are providing, people are looking for and listening to. So that's pretty awesome. So today I'm going to talk about what you should be doing this week and then um, kind of go into a couple things. We're going to talk about logistics, travel. I've talked about it before, but now that we're getting close to season, now it's time to make some really big uh, decisions. Community involvement, ticket sales, and continued fundraising efforts, okay? So... Got my trusty soda over here. I'm still trying to get over this cough. I think I'm starting to get a ear infection. But I refuse to go to the doctor. Anyway. So sitting here, second, I don't know if this is considered officially the second week or third week of March. Let me look real quick. Technically, we are in the middle of the third week of March because the first was on a Friday, so... This is the third week of March. One, two, three weeks left until the season starts for the Women's Football Alliance on April 6th. It's almost showtime, guys. We're less than a month away until the Women's Football Alliance begins um, all of its games. I believe that we are the biggest we've ever been in the Women's Football Alliance. Um, there's a couple years where we've been in the 60s, um, but I believe this year we are sitting right dead at 70 teams. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but 69, 70, 71 teams. Um, I always wanna make sure that the information that I provide you is accurate as possible. So scrimmages are happening all over. Um, Probably the last three weeks scrimmages have been happening, but this week and next week will really, um, you'll see 
some footage of scrimmages pop up on Facebook and in the Women's Football Alliance Facebook pages. Uh, uniforms are on their way, you know, for people that order their uniforms and um, they've been made. Um, people are getting told right now that the uniforms are ready. Um, you can come get them or have them finished shipped to you or whatever. So I'm guessing that teams are going to start getting uniforms here about the 22nd of March. So that'll be cool. Teams need to be finishing up with their planning phases as it pertains to uh, field implementation. Now, when I talk about this, um, some teams don't know and some coaches don't know, but typically the coaching staff has a plan that they put out. And I uh, had a um, interview a couple weeks ago where I had Coach Mike come out and kind of give some details about coaching and how he kind of does it and how many of the coaching staffs do it, but typically the coaching staffs have, the coaching staffs have a plan that they plan to implement certain things. And as it gets down to the wire, they determine whether the team is picking up the information well enough or quick enough to implement additional schemes and additional plays. So this is a time when the coaching staff kind of gets down and dirty and determines what they're going to be able to do in these coming weeks. And that's not to say that they can't implement things um, throughout the season, throughout the weeks of the game. But I'll explain to you, same thing on the business side. Um, we're getting down to the wire. Uh, now it's time to be serious. This is when you start to see um, whether you did your planning and organizing correctly not to say it's wrong or right, but this is kind of where you start to see where some things have fallen through the cracks or maybe you forgot about things or didn't even think about things happening. So I'm going to share with you a couple of those, but um, this is where you start to see what still needs to be done. And a lot of teams can recover right now because we are still three weeks out if you... Um, get down to it and just uh, grind it out and get everything done. Most teams um, have stopped adding players at this point. There are some teams that may feel that they're low in numbers, um, that they're willing to still add players. Those, te those teams typically don't have those players play actively for several weeks to get them into um, conditioning, get them into understanding plays, and et cetera. Now, there's times when um, your team is struggling, your team has um, been affected by something negative through the offseason. Um, last year, we, we were a prime example um, when we came on February 6th and discovered that all of our social media was taken and everything was gone, that we had to rebuild so we had to put um, basically the pedal to the metal and hammer out a bunch of tryouts, hammer out some things. For those teams that feel like right now they've gotten they've gotten into some practices and maybe people have gotten injured or you have some people that are not paying their player fees or you have some people that either have to quit because of work or something like that, you do technically have time for another tryout. Technically today you could start posting about a tryout on this Saturday or next Saturday. 
and um, maybe get five or ten more players out there. So that's definitely a possibility. If not, we are ready to go. Um, all teams are in pads as far as I know at this point. Depending on how your team works at some teams, they have the players get their own pads. And so maybe for financial reasons, some players don't have pads. But I think everybody that I've talked to, all the teams are in pads. So we should be good there. Today, I want to share with you the things that you should be wrapping up and getting put in place for the beginning of the season. Now, you can continue to do them through this, just like I talked about the phases of the of adding plays in football. Same thing for the business side of it. You can continue to implement things and add things in. But what happens is, is once we get to two weeks out, one week out, um, you just find that you don't have time to implement all the things that you think you still need to do or that you want to still do. So my suggestion is, is to pick two or three things that you feel are the most important or the you'll get the most bang for your buck and do those. Put the other things on your list and your Google Docs or whatever and start a calendar for next year. Because otherwise you're going to you're going to come up with seven or eight things that you did half-ass or 50% effort as opposed to two or three that you gave 100% effort. I hope that makes sense. With that being said, the things that typically teams are thinking about right now is the logistics, the travel issues, uh, community involvement, whether they're ramping that up or, or tightening that down. And I'll explain reasons why you might want to do either or. Um, ticket sales. Ticket sales are your are your big thing right now. And then continued fundraising. So um, real quick, let's talk about logistics. So, you know, teams back in the day, we I did a episode and did some materials on business planning and planning out the season. But and I shared with you some resources. Many teams either drive their personal vehicles, rent a van, or rent a bus. Now there's some teams that, and I, what I do is I try to tell everybody kind of, let's, let's take the ego out of it. All the teams wanna, wanna ride buses. We all do, it's true. Um, some teams have promised buses to their teams. Some, le some leagues have promised buses to their teams and some teams have promised buses to their players. If you have done so, then you need to work on getting those buses, right? But for most teams, they're doing a personal vehicle or van and or a combination of hotel stays. So some travel is going to consist of taking a personal vehicle, four girls getting in it and driving down to a place and coming back. Um, other situations will be um, getting in your cars, going down to a place, staying in a hotel that night, coming back the next day. Another scenario is some players know people in the town that we're going to because they've been playing women's football forever or they have family there. So they want to go down early on a Thursday or Friday, stay with family the whole weekend and then drive back up on Sunday. 
The other scenario is to um, rent vans for those that either don't want to drive themselves or can't drive themselves long distances. Maybe their car only runs locally and they really just cannot worry about breaking down on the side of the road. They may either share a ride with somebody else or get in the van to go to the uh, away game. Now, if it's buses, most of the buses you need to lock in sooner rather than later. Some teams have already locked in buses, but I'll tell you the the bus price you have to you have to determine for your team if you can afford the buses. I know we went to Atlanta last year and that was a $5,000 bus ride. Um it was a 55 passenger van that doesn't include the hotel for the drivers because one had to get off halfway there and have a sleep session or whatever for DOT regs. And then we picked up another bus driver and he went the rest of the way with us. So you have to include all those things in the fee. Some bus uh, charges, you also have to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. Some of them include a tip. Some of them don't include a tip. Some of them include gas. Sometimes gas is additional. Um, other times, another great one is mileage. Sometimes the gas is included in the in the price, but any mileage over 200 miles is 10 cents a mile additional. Well, that can really rack up a, a big bill for you if you're going from, I don't know, say Albuquerque to Colorado Springs. Um, you could really, you could really have a, a big extra bill in there when you get done. So, um, depending on your situation, I recommend if you're a newer team, if you're a younger team, start out with the personal vehicles, if at all possible, see how that works and then progress up. Let's talk about, um, community involvement with regards to, um, these next coming weeks. Now, typically in your planning stages that you've had over the last couple months, you've planned and implemented some community involvement that's going to occur during the football season, April through July. You should be pretty much out of the planning phases and um, getting things set up, dates set up to actually do things. Whether that's a 5K, whether that's a parade, whether that's uh, feeding the homeless, um, whatever it is. Um, you're going to set up dates for your teams to go out there. And this is really good. It's not only community involvement, community involvement, but it is also publicity option opportunities, um, whether that's having a radio show or a newspaper come out or actually just taking pictures of it and putting it on Facebook. Um, that's really up, up to you. Um, some teams struggle with having actual um, magazines and, and newspapers come out. Um, and that can be for various reasons. I know we have a difficult time in Dallas because, um, they're confused as to what team they're talking to, um, from day to day. So, um, we have to make it very clear that we are associated with one organization, um, and don't do business with another organization. Community involvement, um, that is, depending on how you're using it or how you're approaching it, it is either winding up or winding down. If it's winding up, then you're using it for publicity to bounce off uh, upcoming games. If it's winding down, then you're trying to provide community involvement 
but not let it affect your other practices, uh, game days, film sessions, etc. So depending on what your team approaches to it, that's what you're doing there. Let's talk a little bit about ticket sales. Again, okay, so ticket sales, this is about your fans in the stands. I mean, it's super important. Your, your organization will not survive without fans in the stands. And this is kind of where I talk about um, the importance of building women's football. Right now, we are still in a building phase. Even teams that 10 years ago had a bunch of uh, people in the stands, um, they are rebuilding right now. Whether that's because they kind of got out of the spotlight or people have gotten different information about women's football, whatever the case is, right now around women's football, uh, teams are struggling to get fans in the stands. Now, I'm not going to go into the underlying reasons of why that's happening because I'm going to share that with the WFA and help them with a campaign to fix it. But for this season, it is very, very important for each of the teams to have goals about the number of people that they're going to have in the stands. You know, we're getting a lot of publicity, a lot of um, connections around with different uh, sponsorship opportunities. But when they see that the teams only have, I mean, the biggest teams, the bigger teams are having 250 people in the stands. They're going to realize that this is not the time that they want to sponsor women's football. The teams that don't even, that this is their first season playing that didn't exist last year are hoping for 200 people in the stands. But right now they've had zero people in the stands. So they are really, really hoping that they can pull it off and actually have 200 people in the stands. With regards to ticket sales or selling tickets, um, some teams have it set up to sell on their website. Um, other teams hand out tickets to the players to sell themselves. And those are all, those are okay ways to do it. Um, but you need to make sure on, on two things. One, that there's other ways to get the tickets besides your website, because if you're only having 200 people in the stands, then it's obvious that your website is not getting out to more and more people daily. If your players are the ones selling tickets, I recommend that you not give the tickets to the players, but have uh, a pre-sale or something where they, the tickets will be sent to them, mailed to them after they purchase them, something like that. The reason why is because year after year this happens and it's nothing against the players or anything, but year after year this happens and I want to keep more and more teams from having it happen, but um, teams will print a bunch of tickets, say a thousand tickets, and they'll give each player, I don't know, 20 tickets to sell. And in the midst of all that, they have two weeks to sell them or a month to sell them. In the midst of that, that player, a player, a couple players will uh, get injured or decide they can't play or just not want to come anymore. And those 20 tickets are somewhere, whether they've sold them to a person or the player still has them and is no longer showing up. 
But now you have those 20 tickets that you, that are not accounted for. So when somebody, everybody's busy on game day and running around like a chicken, somebody comes up to the counter with a ticket and they get in. You don't know whether that person has paid for that ticket or whether that ticket came from a person that is no longer on the team or not. I hope that makes sense. I recommend doing it a different way, um, but I just like to put that out there that it's very important to make sure that you have accountability for your tickets. Um, some teams take it a step further. Some teams just don't even bother about it. But um, I, we number our tickets. Um, I have different versions of tickets. I count the tickets at the end of every game. We know how many of this type of ticket came in. We know how many of this type of ticket came in. We know how many children came in, everything. Um, that way I can run my analysis uh, week to week and year to year to determine whether our numbers are going up or down or staying stagnant. So um, I recommend that all teams do that because it's an important uh, piece of information to have, not only for um, your planning for next year, but also for promoting to people. Um, there's some teams out there, I don't know who it is, but there's some teams out there telling people that they're getting thousands of people in the stands and I only know of maybe three, and it's not these teams saying that they're getting a thousand. So please, 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 if you are asked the question about how many people you are getting in the stands, please tell the truth. Please be honest about it because the honest, it may take you longer to get those sponsorships, but they will be happy with your honesty and they will be more likely to sponsor you. They might not sponsor you this year because you only have 200 people in the stands or 150 or whatever it is, but they will um, look on women's football in a better light if you're being honest with them, okay? Finally for today, I just wanted to touch on this, um, these topics so that people could, I know people are getting um, down to the wire and getting ready to, to get things taken care of. Let me come over here. So I get that teams have already been doing fundraising. Teams are fundraising, fundraising, fundraising. And I know that a lot of people get tapped out on fundraising. I always recommend that you, what I call salt and pepper. I salt and pepper fundraisers throughout the season so that people don't get fundraisered out. Okay. Fundraisered out. Huh? Um, but it is very, very important that you continue your fundraising efforts. And I'll tell you why. Typically, when you set up your first original fundraisers, those are fundraisers just for the regular season, the first eight games of the season, right? Many teams make it to playoffs. Why? Because we have three divisions. So a lot of the teams make it to a round of the playoffs in some division or another. What does this require? Possibly two or three additional sets of games, right? So not so these teams that make it to playoffs are fundraising for possibly eleven games and twelve. You know, if you if you travel to the um, scrimmage that you did. Um, even though it wasn't a, a game, it still cost money. It was still an expense for your team. 
So it's very, very important to continue the fundraising. The way that we do it at our organization is we let players know that as of week four, going into week five, we evaluate where we are performing. And if we are performing at a specific level, then we will implement one or two additional fundraisers to start raising funds for playoff costs. We like to, when at all possible, have all the players go to playoffs. And we like to try to fundraise as much as we possibly can for each and every person. Sometimes that's not possible, but um, I think that most teams um, use that same philosophy um, within the WFA. I'm not sure about the teams outside the WFA, um, but the teams within the WFA typically try to um, get all the fundraising done for the playoffs in a timely manner. Um, some teams do different things like GoFundMes, um, you know, kind of like more of an emergency. I need the funds in two weeks. Um, I like the approach of starting it ahead of time so that uh, we can tell whether um, we're going to have enough funding and whether we have to do a third fundraiser. Uh, typically, we don't, but there are always people that are behind the curve when it comes to their player fees or their travel funds or, or however it is. So we recommend that people continue the fundraising, but you salt and pepper it in with other activities that aren't fundraising, maybe team building, maybe parties, maybe community involvement. I hope that kind of gives you guys a, a well-rounded idea of what to expect in the coming weeks. I'm sure everybody probably has all their stadiums taken care of. I didn't even top, uh, touch on that topic, but it does happen. Um, you need to go back and review with your stadiums and make sure that um, they are still ready to go. Um, we have had some scenarios in women's football where you call them back and somebody else has called and canceled your date or changed your date. So you need to make sure that you are on the up and up and uh, have all your um, field stadium dates secured and they haven't been messed with. Back to the travel a little bit, I wanted to share with you. So I talked a little bit about travel slash hotels. Typically, um, I take a poll of what teams want to do. For example, if we're going down to Austin, I'll do a poll of how many people are going down on Thursday or Friday, how many people are staying with family, how many people are taking their own personal vehicles, how many people are coming back early, all that kind of stuff. So then I kind of get an idea of how many of whatever I need to do. Um, that'll be able to tell you if, if it's a travel that you're going to do a hotel on, you'll know how many hotel rooms. Speaking of hotel rooms, I want to get kind of detailed on the hotel rooms. Now, I understand that players may or may not want to room together. Any player that has it in their head that they are each going to get a separate room for each of their families to stay in is very delusional. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, most, most players don't think that. Um, what we do, how we do ours is there's four girls to a room. We have them kind of pick who they're going to room with. Coaches, we typically do one or two to the room depending on the relationship. So sometimes you'll have a coach that is married to a player 
and they will luck out because the coach would have gotten a, a double instead of a quad, right? Um, but we use that as part of the compensation to the coach. We do, we have in the past had players that want to buy out spots. So for example, um, we put four people to a room at a Holiday Inn, two, two queen size beds, two in, two in one bed, two in another, and a player wants to buy out the rest of the room at the rate it would have been to have all those other players there, right? Or they want to buy out their bed to have a friend with them or just to be in the bed by themselves. So there's some girls, so let's just for round numbers, it's a $100 room. So that makes each girl's uh, value or credit to that room of uh, $25. And they say they want to just sleep on the bed by themselves. You are gonna pay 25 for them to be in there from your player and travel fund. Um, but they want to buy out the other side, so they would pay, they would pay into the travel fund an additional twenty five dollars to get the bed to themselves. They would pay seventy five dollars if they wanted to buy out the room, because you were going to pay the twenty five to begin with for her. But if she wanted to have her family in the other three uh, bed slots, you would have her pay seventy five dollars. That's how we do it. You don't have to do it that way. I just want to give examples of different ways that it can be done. I hope everybody is doing great in women's football today. I'm gonna to come over here real quick. I have not gotten a chance to look around WFA this these last couple of days. Um, I, in case you guys don't know, uh, my husband and I are co-owners of the Dallas Elite with Maria Spencer, and we travel uh, to and from Dallas a couple times per week to get everything done. Um, so real quick, I just want to share. So everybody, um, shout out for Zenith Helmets, who is a sponsor of the WFA. Um, they are a sponsor, not a coupon, um, but a sponsor. Um, we are getting ready to have the biggest and best women's football championship in Denver, Colorado, actually Golden, Colorado. It's going to be hosted by Wynn and the Mile High Blaze crew up there. I'm super excited because um, they're a top-notch group of girls, and I think that they are really um, putting a ton of effort into making this the best WFA championship ever. It's come a long way. It's come a long way. Um, real quick, uh, the Women's Football Alliance. I'm going to pull up the Facebook. We're sitting over 17,000. 17,000 likes. Got over 18,000 followers. 18,199 as of today. Super excited about that. Posted on here in the in the uh, WFA, we have the um, Women's Football Alliance 2019 season preview put up here by Wynn. Um, excellent job. Excellent job there. Um, we're super excited about that. 
And then I wanted to share with you about 12 hours ago, well, from the time of taping, um, the New York Wolves had a Women in Sports Day showed up to coach up over 150 kids. Very, very good. Very good. Um, now, the New York Wolves is still the, the New York Sharks, but they just changed their name. Um, that wasn't a split. That wasn't a takeover. That wasn't a anything like that. Um, let me pull this up. Come on. That's my posts. Just trying to get to the page here. I want to just check and see if there's any more. There's a really good post here um, in Spanish. Fuente, USA Football. There's a translation there. USA Football. I want to do a shout out. This was announced uh, three days ago. Another former WFA player. Um, she was from the Acadiana Zydeco. Miss Jordan um, coaches North Central to 1A boys title. Shout out to her. Great, great effort. Amazing. And then, of course, we had the Cancun the Maya Cancun Bowl, March 9th, where several of the WFA players played um, on the USA team and won. So super excited about that. Um, I just want to share with you, there was another one, the, May, the Maine Mayhem Girls of Fall. So the Maine Mayhem are in the WFA. They have a, what they do is they post um, little bits, little posts about girls that are playing football with boys, um, whether it be at the middle school or high school level. And uh, one of their girls that are the girls of fall uh, was showcased in the new Adidas ad. She breaks barriers commercial. Super cool. So excited about that. She was a guest at, uh, of the Patriots at the Super Bowl, and then um, she was part of this part of the commercial. So, I just want to share with you. I mean, things are happening, um, whether you hear it or not, or whether you see it or not. Um, the WFA are making huge strides in women's football. You know, sometimes we don't post every single thing that happens. Um, you know, every single thing that we sign, every single thing that we do. Um, it does, you, you don't have to make every step you take an announcement for everything. Um, you can sit back in the, in the wings and build women's football in a quality effort. I really appreciate everybody's time today. I love, shout out also to Win Again. Um, on March 9th, she posted this really cute, um, I guess it would be a blog, not a blog post, but a social media um, estimate 
she, it's a really cute, I forget the name of what it's called. It's not a topographic, um, but it's a cute little post that you can put on your blog um, about women's football. Tulsa Threat, I just want to shout out to them. Uh, March 8th, they did um, a video that was done on YouTube, Facebook, sorry, Facebook, about empowerment, sisterhood, etc. And um, it's been seen by uh, over 2 million people, 2,800,000 views. So that's pretty awesome. I'm going to let you guys go for today. I hope you like the information I talked about with regards to logistics, community involvement, ticket sales, and continued fundraising. If you need resources for where to get your tickets um, and about logistics, how to set that up, feel free to contact me directly um, and I will share with you how to get that done or where you can go to get it done. I hope you guys have a great week. Feel free to reach out to me via any of my social media or email or personal email addresses, but typically women's football success at gmail.com. We have several things coming at you in the next week or two. I'm super excited about, but trying to kind of keep myself calm and keep my mouth uh, zipped tight about these uh, great things that are happening in women's football. I will see you guys soon. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.